0: Block Talk Radio. The New African broadcast speaks to the free thinking movement that we see emerging in the minds of today's black youth of America. African youths must be re-educated to the scientific reasoning found in natural law if this movement is to reach its full potential. Inshallah, the African American will break free of non-scientific and tribal thinking paradigms that fail to counter immoral behavior as well as limit solid economic progress in African American communities. As-salamu alaykum. The following broad. Out of Africa, Science, Origins of Man, and Systems of Knowledge. Recorded on January 3rd, 2017. Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim Alhamdulillahi, na'amaduhu, nasta'inahu, wa nastaghfiruhu, wa na'uduhu. Ilahi, Minsururi, and Fasina, Wa Sai, Ati, and Malina. Wa Ashadu and La Ilahil Allah, Wahudulash, Sharik Allahu. Wa Ashadu and Na Abduhu, Rala Sahulu, In the name of Allah, the Most Merciful Benefactor, the Most Merciful Redeemer. Praise be to Allah, we seek His help and His forgiveness. We seek refuge with Allah from the evil of our own souls and from our bad deeds. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is his slave servant and his last prophet. Peace and blessings on Prophet Muhammad, upon his descendants, upon his companions, upon all the prophets from Abraham to Muhammad, and upon all the righteous servants of God. We thank Allah for sending the great teacher of philosophy, religious knowledge, the one who in our day and time connected the disciplines of the physical sciences with human nature and human psychology, the outstanding imam, the imam that the African American people produced, the late imam Warathuddin Muhammad, Radiyah Allahu Anu. May God be pleased with his efforts, forgive him his sins, and admit him to the paradise. Amen. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to another edition of A New African, and I'd now like to give everyone the greetings of peace in the Quran and Arabic language, as salam Alaikum. This is Imam Muslim D-Shahid, scientist, inventor, and businessman speaking to you here today on this blog talk radio broadcast. Before I proceed into today's subject matter, I'd like to read three short ayats or verses from three surahs or chapters from the Muslim Book of Guidance. The book that Muslims use as a guide for life and a criteria to judge all matters by the Holy Quran. I will be reading from the English translation of the Holy Quran by Abdullah Yusuf Ali. Yusuf Ali's translation of the Quran has been regarded by most scholars as the standard for the translation of the Quran into English. To my radio audience, those of you who may not be familiar with the language of the Quran, Please be patient with me as I read these very short verses. These verses will help establish the foundation for the topic that I will be talking about today. The title of the first surah I'd like to read now is called Surat Al Fil. Surat Al Fil. Bismillah rahman Alam tara kaifa faal rabbika rabb ashabi fil Alam yajal kaidahum fi Lil Wa arsala alayhim tarar al-ababil and it reads, In the name of Allah, the most merciful benefactor, the most merciful redeemer. Seest thou not how thy Lord dealt with the companions? Of the elephant? Did he not make that treacherous plan go astray? And he sent against them flights of birds, striking them with stones of baked clay. Then did he make them like an empty field of stalks and straw, of which the corn has been eaten up. Let's continue on here with Surat Al Asri, or the time. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Wal Al Asri. Inna Al Insaina Lafi Kusri. Illa Al ladina Aminu Wa Amelu salihati Wa Ta Bil Hak. Wa Ta By the token of time. Witness the history of ages. Verily, man is in loss. Except those who have faith and do righteous deeds, who work together in mutual agreement, teaching truth, firm with patience and steadfastness. And finally, The Surah title the cow Verse 260 and for Brevity here I will Admit the Quranic Arabia And just read to you the English Translation In the name Of Allah the merciful Benefactor the merciful Redeemer behold Abraham said My Lord Show me how thou givest Life to the dead Allah Said, Dost thou not then believe? He said, meaning Abraham, Yea, but to satisfy my own understanding. Allah said, Take four birds, tame them to turn to thee, put a portion of them on every mountain, and call to them, They will come to thee flying with speed. Then know that Allah is exalted in power and wise. Surely Allah speaks the truth. I want you to reflect on these surahs and try to maintain those thoughts as we move into today's topic here. Hold on to those thoughts and ideas that are now coming. To your mind or into your mind or formulated in your mind. As we move along here in this talk today, out of Africa, science, origins of skin color, and systems of knowledge, we're going to attempt to connect what Allah has revealed to man in His scriptures and from creation. One of the most Serious problems that we find today with the American people, and particularly the African American people, is the decline of intelligent and rational thinking. With all the technological advancements that have come about over the last 50 years, the American people seem to be becoming lazy, immoral in their character, and exhibiting a sort of strange backwards thinking. All you have to do is just look around. Every day you hear about Rage Road shootings just for someone splashing water on a car. People walking into fast food restaurants in broad daylight, robbing and shooting customers for a fistful of dollars. Just a fistful of dollars. School teachers that have gotten pregnant by their 12-year-old students Then show up in court demanding from the judge I need to see my baby's daddy And the list just goes on and on Today there are not too many people in America thinking freely Making sound, rational decisions On matters that require serious reflections. Something strange has happened And it's not just in America This shortage of rational thinking And common sense can be seen all over the world It appears that the easier it has become for men to communicate with each other in real time, the less we actually do communicate with each other in real life. What am I talking about? I mean talking to each other face to face in intelligent, rational, constructive conversations. Now, how in the world do we expect to solve any of our problems if most of us do not even desire? to be around one another. Social media sites have come to replace what was once considered the norm for socializing, people coming together at public venues for the discussion and exchange of ideas. Now what we have today, they call it social media, but what kind of socialization is really occurring? The only time most people do come together to socialize with others is for entertainment purposes, sports events, a football game, a basketball game, a musical presentation, or an emotional and passionate demonstration of protest. And they're not there for critical discussion or exchange. They're there to scream and holler at each other and in many instances just act like an outright fool. Because of the many personal problems that people face today, it's almost a pain to get people to come together to discuss how they're going to resolve social human issues. So on serious matters, people today intentionally try to avoid communicating with each other. At least in person No one wants to stick out of the crowd And wind up being on the wrong side of an issue That's too politically incorrect It's easier to send text messages It's less worrisome and impersonal Not too much critical thinking is needed In fact, most people do not want to do any critical thinking Period It's as if deep thinking hurts the mind and bothers the soul. Most people today fear the criticism of the criticizer. That's a lot of emotional duress for the soul to handle. So I guess it's easier just to say what you have to say in a text message and not have to deal with the emotional ties that come from physical words and human expressions. But I think this is beginning to change We see the Black Lives Matter movement using social media as a vehicle to bring people together to express collective ideas for social change. And I think this is a good thing. But what I do find interesting is that there are many people who have sound moral values and common sense, yet they sit by and stay silent about this irrational mindset that's moving throughout the African-American communities. They have been intimidated to step up and speak out about the crazy ideas, beliefs, and attitudes that many black people exhibit today. They are being kept in check by the so-called politically correct agenda machine. They know this is crazy. They know this is crazy. This immoral behavior that many black people are following is destructive, is destructive for the African American people? They know this. These people that I'm talking about are educated people, people who have BS degrees, master's degrees, and even PhD degrees. Yet these educated people stay out of the limelight in fear of the possible consequences of If they say something about this negative behavior, it's not surprising now why there are so many crazy thinking and immoral people running rampant in the African-American communities, while other people with hidden agendas attempt to exert their leadership on our children in education, politics, and even religion. Can't you see that this decline in rational and intelligent thinking in the people has led to a rise in immoral and ethical, sometimes crazy behavior? Find me a people where intelligent thinking has declined, and I'll show you a people who are losing or have lost their original human moral nature. If you study the history of societies down through the ages, You will see a clear trend that when intelligent and rational thinking declines in a people, immorality and perverted human behavior arises in the society. These destructive attitudes and ideas slowly begin to influence the political and social direction of the society. Okay. Now wait just one moment, mister. Yeah, I know what some of you are saying or some of you are thinking right now about this broadcast. I thought this talk was going to be about out of Africa, science, the origins of skin color, and systems of knowledge. Man, you have not said anything about Africa so far. And what about the black man? The Asiatic black man. The original man. The melanated man. The God of the universe. (laughs) When are you going to start talking about all of these actual facts, brother Shahid? (laughs) I ask you to have a little patience. Patience is man's greatest perseverance. Now let me reflect back on the surah of the time. This beautiful and eloquent surah Wal that I read earlier from the Holy Quran. Here Allah is letting us know that, hey man, yeah you, the one with the big head, the one with little patience, you big head wannabe scientists, you, don't waste your time trying to figure me out, looking at the stars in space, looking into Earth's physical makeup, or the Earth's physical makeup, building pyramids and skyscrapers that reach into the sky, thinking you're doing something special, something unique, something not done before in the annals of mankind, thinking your studies of the atomic makeup of matter using super collider technology is going to bring you closer to me, Closer to my reality? No. You can't find me like that. Matter? Matter? You can't find me in light matter. Even dark matter. Or even anti-matter. In fact, I'm not matter at all. Though my authority, my domain permeates in and throughout all matter that you can see and that you cannot see. I'm not on time. I created time. You're the one on time. So go figure yourself out, man. This is what Allah is saying, and much, much more in the Holy Quran and Surah Wal Asri. And man can best figure himself out if he looks at the facts of time that have been hidden in him and the physical universe, his physical reality. You know, I need to say something right now. Let me make things perfectly clear before we move any further into this talk. I'm going to make a disclaimer here because I don't want any misunderstanding about what I'm going to say as I proceed with this lecture. Let me just say that if you believe literally that God appeared on this physical earth in the form of a man to die on the cross and shed his blood so that the sinful nature of man can be forgiven, and that anyone who believes in his death and resurrection should have eternal life, and that man who died and rose from the dead was a white man, then I suggest maybe that you find another radio broadcast to listen to instead of the one you're listening to right now. Or if you believe that the black man is God And that the white man is the devil That the black man Grafted the white man 59,999 Years ago On the island of Patmos Then I strongly suggest That you too Should move along Yes you brother Go right ahead And click right now You know Just move on and listen to something that you will find pleasurable to the taste, something that won't upset your stomach, something that you will find satisfying. And even if you're a so called intellectual with no belief in a God that you can't see, in fact, you have no belief in a God, period, only having confidence in didactical materialistic ideas and mathematical principles whose only reality is confined and construed from physical matter, then you should, without hesitation, yourself, stop listening to this radio show right now and find another station to your lightning because I'm about to call on those four birds. Each one of them have been sitting on top of a mountain for a long, long time now, and they're coming carrying bricks of clay, not unlike the five smooth stones that David pulled from the water. You know, according to biblical teachings, David met Goliath, the great warrior of the Philistine people, in a major battle. Is that right? And Goliath was reported to be a giant of a man. Hearsay says he was nine feet nine inches tall. Now, let's look at the word Goliath. Let's take a good, close look at the word Goliath. Go, lie, ath, go. Lie, Etha. Go lie, Etha. Go lie. Go lie. Go lie. Go spread this lie as far as you can. Now where did the lie come from? The Etha people. It came from the Etha people. From ancient history... We find that the F people were a large social group that consisted of many diverse clans which practiced paganism. What's left of the F area is now located in the country known nowadays as Belgium. Almost 2000 years ago, the F empire consisted of the countries France, Belgium, Netherlands, Germany, Switzerland, Spain, Portugal, Italy, England, Wales, and Luxembourg. These people in history have been classified as gallo romans The Gaul, which they were more technically called, was a people given to animism and shamanist ideas And lacking in sensible, rational thinking. Now from Jewish folklore we find a word called Golam. 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 You know what a Golam is? A dumb, lifeless clay figure brought to life by magic. This is Jewish folklore. This clay figure formed from water and earth is molded into any type shape you desire, and then allowed to dry. Then, once it's dried, you call in the magician, the sorcerer. Pay him a little money, or if you don't have money, you give him some chickens or goats goat, and abracadabra, woof! your clay figure will come to life. Also, in Hebrew translations, you'll find the word Golan means one who is dumb and clumsy in his thinking. So what are we to get from this? Goliath in Scripture is to be understood as an image of a great, great, big, exoterical lie that has taken on a life form by the magician's use of magic on dumb, ignorant people void of science. And this lie is as common and accepted as believed by so many people all over the world that the average man has a hard time wrangling with it, and even the most learned men are fearful of the consequences if they challenge it. Many people all over the world accept this lie, either consciously or unconsciously doesn't matter what religion they profess to believe in. Christians, Buddhists, Hindus, Taoists, Deists, atheists, maybe even some thrown off Muslims and Jews. Yeah, I didn't make a mistake. That's right. I said, atheists. Oh, what? You think just because you don't say God, Jesus, Jehovah, Krishna, Vishnu, or Yahweh. You think that you're not being influenced by an idea or belief in a higher entity? Consider the Big Bang Theory. suggests that everything started from some original point, some single entity, or single force energy in space. There are some who believe that there is an original energy or force that gave rise to life in the universe. And that a long, long time ago, from a distance far, far away, this energy exploded, giving rise to all matter and subsequently the evolution of the life forms that we witness today and what we know of from the past. And does not the scientist say That energy and matter are one and the same? That matter cannot be created nor destroyed? In fact, they spend billions of dollars building large devices called super colliders looking to find the originator of life, the original energy, the God particle. Is that right? That if they can find this entity, the God particle, and then study it, They hope from these studies that the truth of all things about how our physical reality shall be made clear. This is what they believe. Don't they teach you this in their textbooks? You've read it, and many of you have accepted it. The law of conservation of matter. I don't care what you call it. It's still the concept of a creator. Yes. So who or what is this Goliath? Dear people, this Goliath is the belief that God, the originator of all things, is capable of taking on material form if he so desires. That if God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, the omnipotent one, capable of doing anything he well pleases, then God the creator at any time in our material reality Can come in the form of a man If he chooses to do so Thus God and matter are interchangeable And since energy cannot be created nor destroyed Then this original energy must be divine Meaning it's forever existing Therefore the original being is in essence the creator Consequently the God of the universe Is really the original energy of the universe And that this divine energy is also in man It has to be Why? Because out of the vein came everything The stars, the planets, the earth The atmosphere that we breathe The plants, the animals, and even man And men over time came to call this energy the great spirit Then the divine spirit And finally the Holy Ghost That God and man are one You see how animism and shamanism came into being in religion? This is the Goliath mentioned in religious scriptures that most learned men fear academically. Now, if you're a man of intelligence and reverence God, how are you going to argue with that? Huh? You're saying that God, the creator of all things, can't do as he pleases? You see how the conspirators made a trap door for you to fall in if you're not careful? If you take the wrong step, you'll fall right through because it's a paradox. That's like saying if a tree falls to the ground in the forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? Now let's get back to this story about David and Goliath and look at it again. And this time from a different perspective. Look at the story with a rational mind. Recall that David picked five smooth stones from the water. Now he just didn't pick up any rocks. He pulled five smooth stones. So we see that David was selective. Is that right? Now we know that most rocks or stones that you find in the earth have rough surfaces and awkward edges. The surfaces are rough, awkward, and have uneven edges. Indeed, man has derived utility from the use of rocks, yet the benefit that you can get from most rocks is limited. Though rocks are solid and can be used as building materials, the rough surfaces and uneven edges make them an awkward and stubborn fit to build fully complete structures that are secure and solid through and through it doesn't make any rational sense to try to build strong structures out of common rocks. You need bricks to accomplish this feat. Rocks and stones are used in the scriptures as a symbol to represent knowledge that was derived at by way of a defective, awkward, irrational thinking process. Science has told us That man has been evolving on this earth for well over 150,000 years. I'm talking about modern humans, Homo sapiens. As earlier man began to develop some comprehension of the events that he observed in his natural environment, he quickly realized that this knowledge could be used to advance and secure his living domain. However, because the man had not yet come into science proper, earlier man was given to speculation and conjecture about his observations. Out of these observations came superstitious ideas, shanimous and animist beliefs about the forces of nature that the man over time came to worship. As man became more committed to his practice of superstitious ideas, the outgrowth of such practices was the development of a defective, nonsequential mode of thought processing that lacked analytical and deductive reasoning. Because of his devotion to superstitious beliefs, the man eventually becomes a slave to the mysteries that hide within the darkness of physical matter. The mysteries of physical matter call to the mysteries of darkness, that lie within the physical nature of man himself. For in the darkness of superstition, man has found that he has the freedom to do as he pleases. In the darkness of superstition, man can be a hero. He can be an intergalactic time traveler. Or he can be the reincarnation of a great king of a time long passed by. The man can have one God or many gods. He may even come to believe the hue of his skin color gives him supernatural powers that make him a god. But anthropological studies clearly show that whenever you find that superstition has come to dominate a society culturally, there will be a fracture in the natural sequence patterns of logic Reason and particularly common sense among the people, a thing innate in the human DNA. This defect in logical sequence reasoning will produce a knowledge that has substance, meaning that it is solid, but its form is rough and awkward. Many of the axioms and theorems associated with this knowledge will not be coherent. The transition from accepted facts to material applications will be corrupt there will be numerous contradictions between that which should be fact and that which should be false in the end defective reasoning patterns leads to gaps in the flow of how information is processed analyzed and validated this insufficiency in the use of logic and reasoning will make it difficult for the man To discern between that which is possible That which is plausible And that which is probable Thus for thousands of years Ancient man only gained small benefits From his observations of natural law Because his arrested intellect Led him to misinterpret The nature of his observations How do we know this about ancient man? About his early stages of intellectual development We know because we have examined the pictures Tools, drawings, and languages That ancient man has left behind As archaeological artifacts The superstitious man can never come To understand and appreciate The forces of natural law His fear of the forces found in nature prevents him from challenging his superstitious ideas. So his knowledge remains limited. His limited understanding of natural law will not allow him to compete in the world of industry. And he will never come to learn the secrets hidden within the universe. You can't build strong edifices or structures of higher learning that can withstand the test of time. With this type of knowledge, his institutions of learning, the structures that he will build will be awkward and have too many gaps and holes in it. In times, the elements of nature will crumble this house, his society, just in a little time. So the type of knowledge that is derived from defective, irrational thinking processes is identified in religious scriptures as rocks and stones. Many people today are like the ancient man of yesterday. Just look at many people in religion and those influenced by religious practices. You have some people practicing magic, others practicing voodoo, witch doctors, and sorcery, eating the flesh. And drinking the blood of Jesus on every fourth Sunday. Go get a pot of boiling water. Add bone of rabbit back. Then a piece of frog fat. Now add a pinch of garlic. Let simmer for five minutes. Drink this tea and every woman that sees you will fall in love. These people have been away from the truth so long that they have digressed almost back to the mindset of ancient man. But David picked five smooth stones from the water. Is that right? How does a rock become a smooth stone? By the action of water. By the action of water. By the constant flowing of water. By the continuing flow of water over rocks over time, maybe a hundred years, maybe even a thousand years, the rough surfaces begin to level off. In time, this constant force of water over the rocks will smooth out all the rough surface areas. This is what we call in science a physical change. Now when we observe the movement of water in the natural environment, we find that water travels from higher elevations like a hill or a mountain and flows down into streams, brooks, and even lakes. If we look very closely into the makeup of that earth that supports and surrounds the mountains, you will find that it is made up of various layers of dirt. We know that dirt contains various minerals and clay compositions that act as filters to remove bacteria and other substances from the water as it flows down the mountain. So by the time the water flows into the streams, into the brooks, this water is clean, purified, fit for human consumption. The properties and characteristics of water are used in religious scriptures to typify how the human conscious in the human spirit, the human soul. The constant flow of water over rocks illustrates the conscious spiritual urges in man that at some point become so overwhelming that the man is compelled, meaning he's forced, to reevaluate his thinking patterns, his knowledge, his beliefs, even his existence. At what point in time will men reach this state of consciousness? this conscious state will begin to arise in man when his sensory awareness of natural law forces him to challenge his fundamental belief systems. As man's knowledge of how the forces of natural law function in nature advances, new challenges arises, and thus more sophisticated intellectual patterns of thinking will be required to overcome existing conflicting conjectures. Many new questions will arise in the man. Why is it that this has to be? And how did it come to be? Why is it cold sometimes? Why is it hot sometimes? Why is there night? What is the nature of light? I have knowledge, so why am I standing still? You're standing still, man, because the beliefs and ideas that support your philosophies are now crumbling under the burdens of material and social advancements. So it is the conscience that drives the human spirit, the human soul, to move, to flow in an attempt to cleanse the thinking from the impurities of flawed and conflicting assumptions. It is the human conscience that would put under duress stirs the soul, serves the human spirit to rise up and compel the human intellect to turn on just like a light bulb turns on. This intellectual activity produces a light that reveals that which is embedded in man's primordial DNA, the process of logic and reasoning, logic and reasoning, the process of a higher level of thinking and reflection that leads men to pursue that which is hidden in our universal reality, from out of which comes mathematics, physics, astronomy, biology, botany, chemistry, and other disciplines of knowledge. A light that produces heat, just like the sun. And the sun of this intellectual activity causes the spirit to rise and rise up towards the light. A light that has now become so hot that it transforms the water into vapor, but the electrical sparks of light in the heavens cools the vapors and causes it to rain back down and feed the earth. Yes. Now, how will the man know that the knowledge that he has now come into does not contradict because of logic, because of logic, rationale, and his common sense? His human conscience In good conscience The man will not be able to reject the knowledge Or effectively debate against it If the man stays in the same vein of reasoning That he has now come into And if his interactions or his intentions are right He won't be able to come up with a response Against the fact that he has now come alive to In his own mind He will know in his own heart that this debate is over. He may not openly acknowledge it to you. He may not, but he will come to accept that this is the more sounder than what he previously had accepted before. The only way the man will be able to reject the facts is that he will have to step outside of common sense, human consciousness, and once again begin to use reasoning that is irrational and logic Which is non-sequential So this pure water in the scriptures Represent a clear human spirit That is compelled to flow with force over these rocks A spirit that will not let Spookyism, voodooism, animism Spirit worship, witch doctor exercises Pagan concepts or knowledge from his preacher Or his minister or even an imam Or his tribe Not even his mother or father Will influence the outcome of his thinking Of his reasoning Of his work Because of man's innate sensitivities His human emotional makeup The spiritual drive That compels him to find out What really is and what really is not To understand His natural environment Over thousands of years of trial and error Man has arrived at Five protocols or principles that lead to the proper interpretation of natural law. So these smooth stones that David picked came from purified water. And when we examine smooth rocks, don't they look a lot like they've been polished? Over time, man has gotten these five protocols, these methods down to a science. You've heard the term polished up. No more emotionalism. No more random guessing, no superstitious ideas or beliefs, nor conjectures. Just five smooth protocols or methods. The five smooth stones that David pulled from the water represent the five principles of scientific inquiry. The thinking patterns that allow for the discovery and understanding of all things in the universe. What are the five protocols of science that govern the thinking process? These five protocols are observation, data gathering, hypothesis, experiment, conclusions. These five protocols in science today are called the scientific method. These five principles can be shown to be an outgrowth of man's five Man's five senses The sense of sight The sense of smell The sense of hearing The sense of touch or feeling And the sense of taste It is by way of our five senses That we grow in knowledge About our physical environment And about ourselves And has not Allah In the Holy Quran Established five pillars of faith For the Muslim to stand upon and is not the Muslim obligated to pray five times a day? And we know Allah says in the Quran that this revelation is clear evidence. Albania, is that right? You see how Allah has been guiding man all along from a state of a low, shallow thinker to that of a higher, rational thinking being? Are you all listening? Now let me show you how our five senses can be related to the five protocols of the scientific method. Observation. What is an observation? Sight. To observe literally means to see. So the sense of sight is connected to the first protocol of the scientific method. When we observe, don't we see a thing? the sense of seeing. We observe the events in our natural environment. We see that the sky appears blue, that the leaves on the trees appear green, that there is blue flowers and yellow flowers, that there are human beings who have different shades of color. These are all observations. An event is also an observation what is an event? An event is the change of time associated with any observation. I saw a bluebird sitting on a branch in an oak tree. The bluebird then flew from the oak tree to a willow tree. The time it took the bluebird to fly from the oak tree to the willow tree is an event. So what we see What we experience is directly related to our sense of sight, observation. Data gathering. Now, once we observe a thing or an event, in order for us to get an understanding of that observation and how it relates to ourselves and our surroundings, we have to first determine where we are and where do we go from here the quickest way to get going on our journey is to acquire knowledge or information. And in order to acquire information, you're going to have to have some patience to listen to and understand the works that others have done who came before you. This is called data gathering, the second protocol of the scientific method. Maybe what you're looking for has already been done. Why reinvent the wheel when you can just go buy one? So you see, this relates to our sense of hearing. If you read an author's work, you are actually listening in the conscious. Or if you hear a speech or lecture, you are still listening. And doesn't the Bible say, let those with an ear hear? Now data gathering is not as easy as you might think. If you want to get the best price on tires you have to do a thorough review of many tire shops you just can't look in your neighborhood well you could you may be successful in your search in your immediate environment but keep in mind the better deal may be across town what am I saying I'm saying that data gathering takes time to do now the third protocol of the scientific method is called a hypothesis. A hypothesis is a hunch sometimes phrased as an educated guess which flows from our sensory ability of smell. How is this so and why do we need to guess? Because in science a good hunch or guess is generally outcome Of long life experiences These long life experiences Help shorten the time We may need to resolve a problem Or a question I've seen fire burn meat On the grill pretty bad So I have a hunch That if I stick my hand in there Something bad is going to happen Right? And sometimes we find ourselves In situations or places That gives us a bad feeling inside We may not know what really is going on or what the problem is, but don't we say something just doesn't smell right? I had better be careful. We do not smell anything like a cologne fragrance or some aroma from a food, but our insides, our soul is telling us to be on guard. This psychological, metaphysical disposition derives from our sensory perception of smell. In science, in order to prove the correctness of an idea or a concept, we have to design and do many experiments or tests. In other words, we've got to roll up our sleeves and do some work, put some elbow grease on the problem. Well, you've heard the phrase hands-on. Is that right? Yes, the sense of touch or feeling. It may take many experiments to get to the answers that detail the truth of your investigations, of your questions, of your observations. And sometimes it takes time to get to what you're looking for. I recall years ago When I was doing research while working with a chemical company in the petroleum industry, it took me 10 years just to find the answers that I was looking for. 10 years just to find the answers for one problem. So understand real research takes time. So learn to persevere in patience. Keep in mind that the answers that you find from your work from your investigations, from your research, may prove your original hunches or beliefs to be false. So be prepared to accept the unexpected and don't become a rejecter of truth that nature has now revealed to you. Now the last principal connection to the sensory perceptions may not be so obvious. In science, once you finish your research, you draw conclusions and sometimes you may even propose a new theory. How does this relate to the sense of taste? We know to taste a thing means to distinguish between sweet and sour or bitter and salty. But taste also means the ability for one to assess critical judgment, discernment, or an appreciation for something. You listen to some song or we hear a joke, And if it does not sit right with us right away, we say, man, that was done in bad taste. Look, I can give you more and more examples of how our five senses and the scientific method are related, but we need to continue on with this lecture and this story about David and Goliath. Now, the story of David and Goliath is also found in the Holy Quran. We find that David only picked one stone from the brook. So here we see the story a little different in the Quran than that given in the Bible. The use of the word brook lets us know that the stone came from clean, from a clean source of water. The Quran's divine revealed language removes the confusion. So David went into battle thinking he's going to need five smooth stones to defeat Goliath. But when he got up to the battlefront and saw Goliath, he said to himself, Man, this dude ain't working with nothing heavy. From a distance, he looks ten feet tall. But really, he's more like five feet tall. I don't need but one smooth stone to handle this neophyte. Bam! Knocked him right off his feet. Where did he hit him at? Smack dab in the middle of his forehead. This is how language is used in religious scriptures like the Bible. Now, I don't know about some of you imams and some of you so-called prophets out there that may be listening, but I think I'm going to need more than five smooth stones to deal with this discussion on Out of Africa, science, origins of skin color, and systems of knowledge. This is a big topic. I need a lot more help. I'm no prophet. I'm no mujeddin. So I'm going to do what Allah instructed Abraham to do in the Holy Quran. I'm going to call on those four birds from four mountains that carry clay bricks made of stone. What does this mean? Allah here is reminding man through the story of Abraham that man's achievements would not have been possible unless he had not guided man from a primordial primitive creature to what he has developed into today. Allah is saying, This is easy for me, raising the dead. Look, man, look where you originally came from. Nothing. When we see a bird flying right at us, notice that when its wings are spread to the fullest, the bird looks a lot like a book opened up, ready to read. Why four birds on four mountains? As ancient man's reasoning evolved, his interaction with the physical environment eventually led him to believe that there were four fundamental material elements that all physical reality was evolved out of. These four material elements were water, fire, earth, and air. It is true, initially man developed mystical and even animistic beliefs about these four material elements. However, as time progressed, The man came to derive great benefits from his observations and studies of these material elements. Instead of giving servitude to these material elements, man made the material elements serve him. Over time, the knowledge learned from the study of these material elements came to be represented in ancient picture drawings as four birds. Allah has allowed man to evolve freely in his environment, and man developed his own languages to describe the events that he witnessed from a distance and events that he experienced. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the exalted, the all wise, has used the very language that the man himself developed down through the ages to correct and guide man to the proper understanding of himself. And his physical reality. Bird here is used in scripture to describe the, the potential, the potential of the knowledge that is derived from the study of one of these four elements of nature. But birds don't just represent the potential that the knowledge has, but birds rather illustrate the dynamic movement or flow of that knowledge as it rapidly is transmitted from one place to another. We know that throughout history, birds were trained to carry messages from one place to another. It is the four birds that carry this knowledge from the four corners of the globe. And birds tend to travel in flocks or groups. Is that right? Haven't you heard the phrase, birds of the same feather tend to flock together? What am I talking about? Schools of thought. Schools of thought. So the birds represent the knowledge or messages that are carried from the most learned men of societies born out of the four classical elements of physical matter. Men whose imagination and vision is so elevated, even elevated higher than your everyday bachelor's degree, master's degree, or even Ph.D. degree. The man could be dead and gone for a thousand years. Yet still, to learn from him, all you have to do is witness his accomplishments. Read his works. Read his books. Is that right? When you open up his books, when you examine his works, his efforts, it's as if a bird soaring high in the sky quickly swoops down and drops something heavy on your mind. The great medical doctors and philosophers Abu Ali al-Hussein ibn Sina and Abu al-Walid Muhammad ibn Atman ibn Rushd were so advanced in their medical achievements that this world is still benefiting from their work even today. You can't even go to medical school without studying the medicine pioneered by these great men of science from over a thousand years ago. You see how knowledge can be infectious, The proper development of knowledge from natural law can raise society to the highest level of achievement for human progress. But the improper development of knowledge is also infectious and can bring the whole society down to the dust. This is the nature of birds. From ornithology, the science of birds we find that birds are important pollinators and many play key roles in sea dispersal. Birds can also be infectors of plants and mammals. Birds fly far distances carrying many types of bacterium and viruses, particularly influenza viruses. If humans are not careful, They can be infected by bird microorganisms, by the association with certain animals, or by the consumption of animals as foods in their diet. In the study of infectious diseases, pigs are known to be mixing vessels or to act as transmission agents in the adaptation of avian influenza viruses to mammals, including humans. The global pandemic, historically known as the Spanish flu, reportedly to have killed about 30 million people worldwide from 1918 to 1919, has now been shown in scientific research to have been caused by the transmission of bird viruses to humans. We call birds in science avian. So these are called avian viruses. However, Since the early last century, virology studies show that bird viruses cannot directly infect humans because human and bird blood binding proteins interact with different type cell receptors. For bird viruses to infect people, their blood binding proteins must change so that they can attach to the human receptors on the cells. So how was it possible for deadly avian viruses to jump from birds to humans in 1918? What was clear from the great pandemic of 1918 was the association of influenza virus with the hoarding and farming of pigs, particularly in Asia. We now know that infectious avian viruses can attach themselves to pig cells and this allows for fast viral replication. Pigs are the only known mammalian species that when incubated with human cells produce a glycoprotein capable of utilizing human genes to produce new pig cells that carry human recognition antigens. An antigen is a toxin or foreign substances that induces the human body to produce antibodies. If the human body recognizes a foreign substance as human, it will not elicit an immune response. Over the last 30 years, science has demonstrated that these new pig cells can be injected into a human host and not be attacked by the human immune response systems. This type of science is used today in organ transplant to prevent organ rejection in human patients. Recent scientific studies clearly prove that once the avian flu viruses are attached to pig cells, they instruct the pig cells to use the same glycoprotein to produce new viral strands that now carry human recognition antigens that fool the human immune response mechanism. Thus, bird viruses are able to be taken up into the human organism and spread rapidly before the human immune system can respond effectively. It may be suffice to say that avian viruses could be the most deadly microorganisms to man and that all the great pandemics recorded in modern world history can be traced back to bird-infectionist transmission jumps to humans by way of pigs. Now, after today, all of you well-educated people out there who follow other religious persuasions, you now know why your Lord instructed you to stay away from eating the flesh of the swine. I don't have to tell you anything else. It's in your scriptures. Go read it. You read it for yourself. Yes, man has found some benefit from the study of the pig's physiology, but you're not supposed to consume the damn thing as food stuff, and it ain't like eating chicken. This warning to avoid the flesh of swine has been in man's common knowledge for a few thousand years. So tell me, is not a lot the best of knowers? you have been listening to the new african broadcast a media program dedicated to the consciousness and the positive moral growth of the black youth of america thank you for giving us your attention and tune in to our next broadcast Alaikum. Thank you.